Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Coffee with a friend is like capturing joy in a cup. Welcome to the Coffee with Jenny B podcast, hosted by Jenny B, a lover of all things coffee. Each week, Jenny will chat about connecting over coffee, what brings her joy, and everything in between. A lot can happen over coffee, so grab a cup, sit back, and enjoy. Now here's your host, Jenny B. Hello and welcome. Breathing. It's something that we all do without even thinking about it. But here's a stat for you. Did you know that on average, we take 22,000 breaths in a 24-hour period. Isn't that amazing? And for most of us, and I'm speaking for myself now, it's all shallow breathing. That means that we're breathing in our chest and we're not engaging the full capacity of our lungs or our diaphragm. And so when someone says to you about deep breathing, that's what it is, those deep, deep belly breaths. My special guest today, Jodine Self, is going to teach us a little bit about breath work. But before we get to that, I'd like to tell you a little bit about who Jodine is. She's a personal trainer, a pro-certified yoga coach, not yoga, yoga, which we will learn more about as well. She's also a certified functional range conditioning mobility specialist a certified TRX instructor, and a certified yoga body breathwork coach. In her business, Self-Ignition, Jodine focuses on fitness, performance, and recovery. As Jodine states on her website, she's all fired up. Welcome, Jodine. Well, thanks for that great introduction. <laughs> well, of course, because you're a great person, so it, it needs a great introduction. Excellent. Thank you. You're welcome. So I'm so happy to have you on my podcast because uh, was it last summer that we got together and we, we did some of that breath work together? Yeah, 2020. My goodness, 2020. It's, it seems, well, it is long ago, but I still remember the sessions that we went through. It was very, very interesting. So I'm so glad that you're here to tell us a little bit about that. Let me ask you, first of all, Self-ignition. Now, obviously, self is your last name, but where does the ignition come from? Oh, that's a good question. So when I was thinking of business ideas, because I have a very unique name, I wanted that to be a part of this final product, this business umbrella. When I started kind of thinking of words that had self in it, it was like self-ignite, self-ignition, et cetera, et cetera. 
And it just seemed a really good fit because I wanted it, I wanted the name to project a little bit about me, a little bit what I do, and this idea that all can kind of light that fire within us Mm -hmm. through movement, through breath, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of where the name came from. I like that. And yes, the idea that we're we're lit inside, that feeling that we're all, like you say, fired up. You know, when they say you've got that fire in your belly, it's a purpose. It's that drive that we have to want to do more with our life, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Now, breath work. How did you get started into that field, so to speak? (laughs) Okay. Well, kind of in a convoluted way. Never is anything a straight line. The first piece or my first introduction to breath work was actually from being a a yoga coach, which we can kind of touch on after that, which does have a lot of breath work combined in the programming. Then in 2018, I attempted to climb Kilimanjaro. Yes, I say attempted because I, I didn't get to the top. I got to the last, the last kind of pit stop, which was schoolhouse. And at about 11,000 feet, I already was feeling the effects of the altitude. And I thought that I had really good lung capacity because I was an athlete. I had done lots of training, you know, weighted vests and, and nose breathing and all of this other stuff. The effects of altitude... I could kind of carry on for, you know, a couple more days. And then it just got to the point where it was too much. And the last day, we had a really, really, really long day. And I was totally exhausted. It literally felt like someone was standing on my chest. And I made the decision to not hold back the group Mm -hmm. and went to the team doctor or our group physician. Right. And just said, I'm out. Like, I, I know that I can't keep the pace. And they were headed to the summit. And he said, well, I probably would have told you that you, you needed to be sent down. Right. And so that, first of all, was a real ego deflating moment mm-hmm. in that I had come so far. I was strong. I was athletic. But I soon realized that I think the stat is something like one in four people never reach the summit. Yeah. So I was actually the third person from our group to be sent down. And so then you retrospectively look back and wonder, you know, what what could have happened differently? What could I have done differently? And one was this rabbit hole that I went down in terms of breathwork. And I like the term breathwork rather than meditation, even though some people think that they are synonymous, but actually they're not. So breath work, I went down into this rabbit hole of how do I learn more? Where do I access people who have this information? And what I learned is is breath work is not just air filling these two sacks that are in our chest. It is so much more. Yeah, it it's physical, it is mechanical, it is physiological, mm-hmm. it is emotional. And, and so there's so many pieces of breath work that can kind of be encompassed under one umbrella or torn apart in different pieces. So that's kind of how that all started. 
You know, that's very interesting. And you mentioned convoluted. Well, sometimes the best things come out of not necessarily a bad situation, but one that is unexpected. And it sounds like your experience was definitely that. And I want to touch on what you mentioned about meditation not being the same as breath work, because I've never been good at meditation because if they say to you, okay, when thoughts come in your head, tell them to go away or let them go away. Well, well, someone like me with a gazillion thoughts all with time in my head, it's like, uh, I can't do that. So I can't meditate. But if you ask me to sit there and do a series of breathing like we did, I can do that. And the difference is that instead of focusing on getting rid of your thoughts, it's more focusing on your breath, isn't it? Yes. And so, you know, what you and I worked through last summer was this idea that when we've got this laundry list of things in our head, how do we calm not just those thoughts, but how do we calm the whole entire body? Mm -hmm. And so if we look at the autonomic nervous system, the only thing that we have control over is our breath. And so we can use that to either get into fight or flight, even though most people don't want to get there unless, you know, you're an athlete training for specific things. But most of us want to be able to either restore some type of balance to our nervous system or how we feel about things that are going on, or we want to totally relax that will rest and recover or rest and digest. And so we, we can use that, those three different types of breath work to control the nervous system, essentially. Yes, that's absolutely right. And let's talk about those three different types of breath work. So those listening will not be surprised that I really like the first one because it's called coffee breath, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> so, so instead of using Sanskrit terms or explanations for different types of breath work, which sometimes makes people confused, they don't understand which, which breath is called what. In our training, we divide breath work into three categories. One is coffee breath. One is that water breath. And the third one is cocoa. Coffee breath is designed to basically stimulate the system. So just like your morning cup of joe, we can stimulate the nervous system by changing the breath work. That breath work is commonly a very fast breath work. And so for people who want to kind of wake up the nervous system, we typically would do a coffee breath in the morning. And so that's where that name comes from. So can you demonstrate what coffee breath is? Oh, coffee breath. Well, to demonstrate, I think it's it's hard because, you know, then I'd be like breathing all over your mouth, all over your mic. It's a, a fast in and a fast out. And so most people who are looking at a Wim Hof, Wim Hof does a lot of coffee type of breath work. Okay. And so that's kind of a, an association that people can use. Okay. So coffee breath, so when you say it's, it's a little faster, it's not like panic breathing. No. So it's making sure that we are getting that belly to move and pushing the air out. So we inhale fast, we exhale fast. And then all from the belly. Yeah. And so depending on where the person is in terms of their practice, maybe they can only do 10 in a row, maybe 15 in a row, maybe 20 in a row. But the, the big piece is that lower diaphragmatic breath. And so where people get into trouble, it doesn't matter if it's meditating or breath work, 
if you don't understand mechanically how breath works, then you're going to be in a position where you're not getting the best benefits. So if you're typically a chest breather, and now you're going to attempt to do these fast breaths or these really slow breaths, if you're not understanding where and how to put that air and what's supposed to be moving, then it just becomes functionally or dysfunctionally fast breath or dysfunctionally <laughs> trying to be relaxed breath or dysfunctionally trying to be balanced breath. Which doesn't work when you don't know what you're doing. Exactly. So little quick primer is that our diaphragm, if, if you look at a, a skeletal view on an image or on a picture, it just looks like a little frisbee kind of sitting under your ribcage, mm-hmm. but really it, it's a muscle. Yeah. And that's the piece that people don't understand. And that, that diaphragmatic muscle can be worked and strengthened mm-hmm. as well as it can be weakened and not function properly. Okay. That makes sense because obviously if you don't use a muscle, it tends to atrophy a little bit. Although that wouldn't happen with the diaphragm though, would it? I wouldn't say the word atrophy meaning shrink, but if you never take the diaphragm to to its full ranges, then it's never strengthening at the end of those inhales and those exhales. So you're not getting the power that the breath holds. And when we talk about from an athletic standpoint, you know, breath work is the next athlete's superpower that is super untapped. Okay. Yeah. For the regular everyday human, why do we need to have a diaphragm that functions or why do we need to practice and strengthen our diaphragm? Not only is it about stabilization, but it's for posture as well. Mm. Yeah. So even though I'm kind of getting off on a, you know, another tangent here, people need to understand that breath work is mechanical your whole rib cage has to move almost like almost like you're opening up to the insides of a barrel and then squeezing everything. So imagine you're wearing a belt and you want to expand that breath to all areas of that belt, the front, the sides, the back. And then I'm going to start cinching that belt closed on that exhale. Oh. And most people never do that. They are in their chest up in their shoulders. And so that creates a whole nother, um, that's a whole nother ball of wax. Yeah. And you mentioned posture, which I can understand. So for instance, most of us were hunched over our computer, our phones, we've got that little bit of our shoulders are curved forward. And so what you're doing basically is you're restricting your rib cage. So no wonder we can't take any belly breaths or, or diaphragm breaths because everything is constricted. And if you think about how a baby breathes, mm-hmm. they breathe that that full diaphragmatic belly breath. So it's not like we don't know how to do it. (laughs) We've just lost the ability to keep that. It's kind of like flexibility, right? You're right. Yeah. We go, oh, I was really flexible when I was young. Okay. Well, what were you doing that when you were young? Okay. Besides age and, and things tightening up, et cetera, et cetera. If you consistently in your lifestyle, did a certain position, well, then the odds are that you would keep that position. So if I, if I squatted every single day in all different tasks throughout my day, I would be able to deep squat all the time. If I am taking these diaphragmatic breaths for most of the day, mm-hmm. then my body would stay with that diaphragmatic breath. Okay. So- right? So if we learn how to do it, 
mm-hmm. and consciously do it, then it hopefully becomes muscle memory and that becomes our default rather than, oh, I'm going to spend five minutes at the end of this yoga class and I'm going to lay on my back and I'm going to breathe and then I'm going to get upset because I got a whole laundry list of things in my head and I can't lay here for five minutes and do something as simple as breathe. (laughs) That's interesting. And you know what? I find it interesting that you call it yoga breath work. So why is it connected with yoga? Is it the idea that as you're going through the poses, you're in tune with your breath or in tune with your body? Would that be an accurate way of putting it? Uh, Yeah. So yoga is kind of synonymous with breath work. You know, many people would go to a yoga session to learn about breath work, to practice breath work. That would probably be their first introduction. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that might be their only time that they practice it. And if they're not practicing it properly, Mm -hmm. then it's useless. (laughs) It's useless, right? That makes sense. Yeah. And so that's part of why you call yourself a coach, because if I wanted to work, say I wanted to build up my muscles, I, I would hire a coach or a trainer. So working on my diaphragm as a muscle to build that up and to improve my breath work, I would need a coach such as yourself. Yes. Okay. Yes, there we go. And that's why we're, we worked together last summer. You know, it I was... loved it. I loved yeah. it. Yeah. And you know what I found interesting? So we talked about coffee breath, and then you talked about water breath. So that's usually at noon. And that's the four-part breath, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So anytime a breath is equal in the number of counts mm-hmm. is called a balancing breath. Okay. In other words, coffee breath, and no one can see my hands moving. But coffee breath is that stimulating breath. Right. It takes us into that sympathetic response. Okay. Okay. Cocoa breath, which is at the bottom, is about relaxation and stimulating the parasympathetic nervous system response. Halfway in between is the water breath, which is that balancing breath. So imagine we're turning down the volume on that upper chest kind of fight or flight, and then turning the volume up on that lower diaphragmatic rest and recover. So anytime it's a a count that is the same on one side as the other, the inhale and the exhale, that is a balancing breathwork practice. Okay, interesting. Now I've heard it uh, referred to as box breathing. Is that the same? No, box breathing is more of a relaxation type of breathwork because the counts are a little bit different. Okay. Okay. Now there was one other breath work method that you taught and that was what do you do when you're stressed or you're super anxious? I guess almost in a in a panic mode. And there's that particular breath work that you taught me and I can't remember what it was called. Okay, so let's think about this. So anytime the numbers are the same on either side is a balancing breath work. You could use a box breath as a balancing breathwork practice Mm -hmm. if the count is four in and then a four out, a four in and a four out. Okay. Okay. If there are holds and then the exhale, Mm -hmm. then that's more of a relaxation. So sometimes we would go inhale for four, hold the breath for four, exhale for four. Okay. Right. So... If the 
inhale is a four count and the exhale is a six count, an eight count, a 10 count, then that would be that, that some cocoa category of breath. Mm, okay. Yes. So most people would go, oh, a balancing breath is four, four count, mm. inhale, exhale. A relaxation breath is a four, eight count. Okay. Yeah. Those are, that's easy numbers. Yeah. We did all kinds of things. We, we did box breath. We did triangle breath. We can do inverted triangle. It all depends on people's comfort zone mm-hmm. and what their previous experience breathing <laughs> has been. And that's so, so ridiculous. <laughs> experience breathing. What are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. And people go, why do I need to have a breathwork coach? I know how to breathe. I've done it my whole entire life. And I go, wow, but it's like a superpower, right? We can use that idea of breath work in so many different ways. We can use it, like you said, to relax. Mm-hmm. So in the middle of the day, I would coach people different ways to do that relaxation or sorry, that balancing uh, breath work in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. So what does that enable a person to do? Here's kind of real world situations. Okay. A balancing breath work. Okay, I'm about to get up in front of people Mm -hmm. and I need to be able to not talk 100 miles an hour. I need to be composed. I need to be able to remember what I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. I have to be alert, calm at the same time. Right. And that's where that balance comes in. Mm. Right. So I need to be able to get the words out that I'm about to say. But then also, I don't want to be sweating profusely and totally lose focus of what I'm about to present or talk about. Okay. Okay. If I'm a student, I need to get up and talk in front of the class. That balancing breath work is a perfect way to just kind of calm those jitters, Mm -hmm. but still have focus. Okay. If I'm an athlete... Oh, so many applications. So first, if I'm an athlete that gets very nervous Mm -hmm. to the point of I've seen athletes actually vomit before a game, high pressure situation. Okay. Okay, So first of all, if a person has those really, really strong butterflies to the point that they're vomiting, that's a nervous system response. And so how do we calm that? Because That is like belly and brain almost fighting each other. Right. So how do you do that? Okay. So we get them into that lower diaphragmatic breath, Mm. right? We can do a balancing breath work to calm the nervous system down. Mm. Because when we get that lower diaphragmatic breath going, it stimulates nerves, the vagus nerve, and that kind of right brain belly connection Mm. is how we bring the volume down on the sympathetic and turn the volume up on the parasympathetic. So in other words, I would say to athletes, turn down the survival breath and turn up the performance breath. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Hi, it's Jenny. We'll get back to the show in a moment. But first, I invite you to check out my website, coffeewithjennyb.ca. That's Jenny with a G, where you'll find all the links to my episodes. You'll also find a variety of coffee gifts available for purchase, including my branded bag of Red Door Coffee Beans from Harrison's Coffee Company. As well, you'll find a link to join the Winnipeg Coffee Community Facebook group. 
I'll also be posting info about upcoming coffee tours and coffee nights. So keep checking my website for updates. You can also follow me on Instagram at Coffee with Jenny B. Now let's get back to the show. And then um, let's, okay, so that's pregame, for example. Mm-hmm. Middle of the game, I'm making mistakes. I'm getting called offside. I'm creating penalties. I can't remember the play. <laughs> I like I've just lost focus, which happens all the time. Mm-hmm. How do we bring ourselves down to this point where we are in the Moment. zone with little quotation marks over our head, right? Right. Right. So how do we get athletes to this point the, in the game where it almost feels like it slows down? Mm-hmm. And that is that balance between I need to be able to perform, right. right? So I need to be revving a little bit higher, but I also need to have my wits about me. I need to have this calmness so that I can perform. Okay. So I'll give you an example, a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Think about how many seconds they've got to make a decision to throw the ball. Right. It's like less than four seconds. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you have a, if you have a good old line, maybe it's you know five or six. <laughs> In that time frame, right? If they are revved up and in survival mode, that actually decreases their reaction time and decreases their decision making abilities. Okay. That explains because sometimes, you know, I, I love watching football. And I see sometimes quarterbacks, they stay in the pocket and they don't throw the ball. And that's when they're in survival mode? No, it has nothing to do with the position on the field. Oh. It is their ability to make the decisions in a timely fashion. Or on the fly, so to speak. Yeah, like it's not really about where they are, if they stay in the pocket or they roll or, or if it's a run play or a pass play. It mm-hmm. is how well are they able to make the decisions. Mm-hmm. And if someone is, you know, kind of running hot, their reaction time is reduced and their ability to perform is reduced. So that middle of the game breath work is is something that is very valuable. Watch any NBA basketball player. What do they do when they get to the free throw line? They breathe. They breathe. Oh, okay. Right? I I don't even notice that. So they breathe. They have kind of their pre-shot ritual. Mm -hmm. They'll get set. And then they'll take their shot, mm. right? So they'll, they're like, they're trying to kind of bring the heart rate down, calm the nervous system. So they can focus. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. And then post-game for an athlete, how, how do you use breath work? Well, we can use that balancing breath work again, mm-hmm. post-game, to kind of turn all those subsystems on. So take five minutes at the end of a game to just kind of come back to that breath work, it reduces the heart rate, reduces or slows down or reduces our blood pressure. Mm-hmm. And it turns on our digestive system and, and kind of brings things back online, so to speak. Okay. That's very yeah. interesting that there's a process for pre, during and post game. So mm-hmm. it's good to know what you can do. And you don't have to be an uh, like a pro athlete, anybody who, you know, even going for a run, you've got your because I remember when I used to run, that first 10 minutes, it was like, oh my goodness, I thought my lungs, my chest was going to burst. And then you settle into, like they call it the second wind, where you kind of settle in and your breathing is a little bit more normal, so to speak. Uh-huh. And then 
just think of that balancing breath in an everyday situation. Mm-hmm. My kids are driving me nuts and I'm about to start screaming at them. Go take a time out. Go do some balanced breath work. Okay. As adults, we need to be given permission to kind of do that. Okay. I get mad at a coworker and I'm about to say something that maybe I might regret. Mm-hmm. Go and calm yourself down. Okay. Take yourself um, time out. Exactly. I was a phys ed teacher, right? So how do you get kids or students to be alert and calm and non-reactive? Well, you teach them how to breathe. What do we do? We go, oh, like just take a couple of deep breaths. And then they're in their chest and their chest is heaving up and down. Okay, we would have just sent them back into fight and flight. Please do not reintroduce them back into society. (laughs) Danger, danger. (laughs) Yeah, right. So Mm well-intentioned, but the wrong course of of action. Right. Yeah. Yeah. People who are in a car and, and are susceptible to road rage, like just... Try some balancing breath work. Inhale for four, exhale for four. Mm-hmm. And if a four count is too much, make it a three count. Okay. Right? Because there's a whole other learning curve there of being able to take breath in for a slower count and exhale that breath for a slower count. That's, mm-hmm. That takes practice as well. Yeah. No, that, that's great to know. Now, you spoke about working with athletes. So now I want to ask you about yoga. So first of all, what is it and how did you get involved with that? Okay, so yoga is an athletic style of yoga. Yoga, if you break the word in half, Jo, Mm J-O, short for jock, and then the (laughs) G-A, yoga. So jock yoga. (laughs) Okay. And that actually was a name that was given to the program or suggested to the creator of the program by Henry Burris. So he's a CFL quarterback. Yes. Really? Yeah. So that's where the name came from. Um, The creator of yoga was working with Henry Burris and he goes, you need to call this something. And they started brainstorming and he goes, you need to call this yoga, like jock yoga. So that's kind of where the name came from. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I tell people yoga is not yoga, even though its foundation is in yoga. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's different in many different ways. So for an instance, and I didn't actually answer your question about how did I get into yoga, but (laughs) yoga is different in that we don't have a lot of long holds. It's more of a dynamic practice. Okay. And the languaging that we use is quite different. You know, when we talk about long holds, if you go to a typical yoga class, maybe holding something for a really, really long time. And and what we want to get across in the yoga program is that we're going to stabilize the body. And then within that stabilization, we're going to move, right? So we're working on stability. We're working on balance. We're working on mobility. So mobility is that kind of balance between strength and movement or, or stabilization and movement, being able to control that movement. Mm. So that's the first thing. The second thing would be, you know, the purpose of the programming. If we look at, I've got quotations over my head again, a typical yoga program, people would go and they're, you know, sitting cross-legged or they're in tree pose, et cetera, et cetera. The movements that we do in the yoga program are movements that you would see an athlete perform. So a lunge, a one-legged squat, 
rotations. We've pulled from this yoga background and then combined it with the biomechanical movements that we would see in sport. Okay. So So, in other words, you're more of a mobility specialist helping them move in the proper format, I suppose. Yeah. And then getting back to that whole language piece, like we don't, we don't use Sanskrit terms. We use bone and muscle cueing. So if you know nothing about anatomy, you're going to learn something in a session. And the idea behind that is the languaging that we use is an active language. Mm-hmm. So athletes would understand flexion and extension. Yes. They would understand, okay, we're going to do final breath work, come to a laying down position. They may not understand the word shavasana. Right. Right. So the languaging is completely different. And, you know, there are some people that don't go to yoga because they don't want to associate the language with whatever they're doing. There are some people that go, no, I don't want Sanskrit to be part of my daily routine. And so we've taken out any form of Sanskrit in the conversations or the the coaching that we do. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Because as an athlete, I mean, you understand the muscles and the and the joints and everything, because it's part of what you need to work on to be healthy and strong to continue doing what you're doing. And so to name it anything other than, yeah, it would be very confusing for them. Just calling it what it is makes sense. Yeah. And and then I think the last piece is it's kind of (laughs) military-like. Okay. I'm going to tell you what to do. And I'm going to tell you when to do it. I'm going to tell you when to move. I'm going to tell you when to breathe. And so it becomes a cadence, which athletes understand. Mm -hmm. And it's not always this kind of like flowy and, oh, today we're going to do this. (laughs) There's no candles. There's no dark rooms. I'm totally mobile. So I meet athletes where they're at. Okay. And we are, I mean, I've been on football fields and soccer pitches and gymnastic centers, parking lots and hockey rink. When athletes are around their, the surroundings that they train and practice in, mm-hmm. then there's a whole other level of comfort and buy-in yeah. rather than we're going to go to this little yoga studio and come lay in the dark like light candles and put on some music, right? It's like, yeah, we can do that in our regen program. I'll turn the the voice, I don't know what you call it, you know, the however you kind of say things to bring relaxation because we do have different types of programming in the, in the yoga umbrella. Right. But for the most part, it is direct, almost military-like in that I'm a coach on the field mm-hmm. or wherever I am. I'm first of all, an athlete. I'm not a yoga instructor. Right. Right. I am there to help them as athletes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that makes sense because you're an athlete working with athletes and athletes are supposed to listen to their coach. (laughs) So then when, when you're the yoga coach and you're telling them, as you say, when to move, when to breathe, et cetera, that's to their benefit, isn't it? It becomes a supplemental practice within the whole scope of what they are learning as an athlete. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, I like that. All right. So where do you see yourself going forward, either in the breathwork area or in yoga or both? Mm, That's a good question. So 2020 was a really interesting year. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think for everybody. 
And as an athlete, as a former physical educator, I had this yoga piece under my belt. And I was working with all different kinds of athletes, everything from the everyday human as well to amateur athletes, all the way to professional athletes. And then 2020 hit and we moved online and everyone I think needed, maybe we all needed a little bit of separation and downtime to kind of look at our lives in different ways. And that's kind of when that whole, you know, shifting of where do I see myself? What do I want to do? I examined my own clientele and I went, okay, there are people who can do the yoga program. They're quite able to do the yoga program. Mm -hmm. Then there are other people that struggle with the yoga program. Why do they struggle with this programming? One, it could be that they do not have the strength. They do not have the stability and they don't have the mobility to be able to do all of the pieces that we do. Can we modify? Absolutely. But it sent me down a different rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. And that's where that functional range conditioning came in. Okay. And so I wanted to understand why does this person's hip not want to do the things that this person wants it to do? <laughs> Why is this shoulder not able to do what this person wants to do? Mm-hmm. And so it led me down this other rabbit hole about joint health and how joint health, it's, it's kind of that the beginning piece to movement. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's great if you're going to be able to lift your arms over your head, for example. Mm -hmm. But if everywhere else in your body, you have to compensate to be able to get those arms up in the air, that's a clue, right? That's a clue. And and if someone's sitting there going, oh, yeah, she's talking to me because I can barely get my arms over my head. Mm -hmm. Okay, Okay, that's a clue. What is happening all the way down the line that you aren't able to do that? And so... That functional range conditioning, that mobility specialist piece is I can now assess a person beforehand or even in a session Mm -hmm. to go, okay, this isn't, this isn't muscle. This is actually joint Mm -hmm. and this is a joint issue and we can work on those things. Mm -hmm. And then the breath work piece is ever expanding because it's not just about learning how to breathe, but it's how do we take that knowledge and apply it to all these different pieces of our life that we never even thought of before. So coming back to breath work, most people go, oh, I need to be have breath work because I'm anxious or I'm, I'm nervous and I need to calm myself down. Okay, well, that's just one piece of breath work. Okay, we can talk about anxiety, we can talk about stress, which 2020 put everyone into fight and flight. The other piece of breath work is this mechanical piece, right? So I talk about breath work is mechanical in that it's about posture. It's about stabilization. It is about our pelvic floor. It is about our diaphragm. It's of everything, it's about right? The whole body. It's about the whole thing. And so in terms of movement, the breath work is kind of that starting point. Mm-hmm. And if you start with breath work and you go, wow, I learned how to breathe properly. And all of a sudden I have these bigger ranges of movement. Mm -hmm. So just by using breath 
and that breath to move the body becomes a mechanical process, right? And then I think lastly for breath work is it, how can it relate to different types of athletes? So the athlete who's an endurance athlete, the, the athlete that is, you know, more of a start and stop type of athlete. And so how, how can breath work be intertwined into kind of all the programming that I do? Okay. And then I just finished off a deep stretching course because that's kind of the next piece mm. in the puzzle, right? So I'd be interested in that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, kind of follows three different principles in that one. Mm-hmm. We actually use a four, eight breath. Okay. So four, eight breath. Remember that's that cocoa breath relaxation, right? So automatically we're stimulating that parasympathetic rest and recover. And then we use very passive holds that a lot of it's ground-based. I would describe it kind of as a yin yoga. Oh, I love yin yoga. But no candles, no dark rooms. No music. <laughs> and you get Jody and coaching you going to do this, do that. <laughs> and then the last principle of programming is how long can you hold it, right? So time under tension. So the ability to relax into a pose for two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, anything over five minutes is kind of diminishing returns. Mm. But how long can you stay in this hold for. And I I don't even want to call it a hold. It's more like a passive stretch. Okay. And so it becomes a targeted flexibility program. Mm-hmm. So it's, I've got the yoga, which is the active yoga piece. Mm-hmm. Then I've got the breath work, then I've got the functional range conditioning. And then this last piece, which is this, that flexibility component. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so it was like a full package deal in a sense. Absolutely. And, and so that's it, it, but how do I serve my clients better? Mm -hmm. And how do you serve your clients better is when they go, Oh, okay, well, this doesn't feel right. Or this doesn't work Mm -hmm. in my mind. I'm going, Oh, why not? Yeah. And then how can I help them maybe by using something out of this pile and then maybe something out of this pile Mm -hmm. to help them in whatever they need help with. Okay. That's good to know. So if someone who's listening to this episode wants to get in touch with you where they are interested in either breath work, perhaps learning more about yoga, deep stretching, which is what I I definitely want to contact you after this. And because I always say I stretch, but when I go for a massage, it's like, yeah, no, you haven't been stretching. (laughs) They know. So how do they get in touch with you and what can you offer for them? Well, thanks for allowing me to share this. Selfignition.ca would be my website if they want more information. And then on social channels, I'm on Instagram. And that's where you're going to find me at Selfignition for You. So the number four mm-hmm. and the letter U. So Selfignition for You. Perfect. I'm on Facebook under Selfignition. And that's those the social media channels are where I kind of share content mm-hmm. and kind of these little tidbits and you know, bite-sized pieces. I send a newsletter out maybe four times a year. I tend not to inundate people with information Mm. just because I know that when I get tons and tons of emails from the same group or organization or club or whatever, I tend not to read them. So I don't inundate people with information. So there's there's an option uh, to sign in for the newsletter on my website. And yeah, so website, selfignition.ca. And then 
those two social channels. Perfect. There you go. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Jodine. I, I mean, I knew a little bit about, well, I guess I knew a little bit about a little bit. <laughs> I, I learned more from you, first of all, about yoga, of course, and more about breath work, even though you and I spent some time going over it last summer. But just from listening to you, I know there's a lot more that we can explore. And I look forward to doing more with you in the future. Excellent. Let's do it. All right. Thank you. So until next time, think about how you are breathing. Think about how you're moving. And think about how you can improve either your breath work, your mobility, or your stretching. So consider connecting with Jodine at Self Ignition. Thanks so much for listening. If you like Coffee with Jenny B and want to know more, connect with Jenny on Instagram at Coffee with Jenny B. That's Jenny with a G. Until then, all you need is joy and more coffee. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network.